Every day we take our lives into our own hands when we consume vitamins and supplements. By not knowing the right ones to take or when, we could be doing a disservice to our health, or even worse, could be endangering it. Welcome to your Daily Dose with Doreen Doucette. Now you have a resource to help you use supplements, vitamins, and natural health more safely and effectively. Here is your host, Doreen Doucette. Good morning and welcome to your Daily Dose. In a past podcast, I talked about folk medicine and some remedies that were faithfully used by many families in years gone by. I asked for you to send me in some remedies that you may remember your mom, your grandmom, or even a friend using, or ones that were used on you as a child that you might still use. Now, I did get a few um, that were sent in to me, but more than that, I had so many of you asking about poultices and plasters when they were used, what they were used for, and if I might have any recipes for some that would be interesting to you. Well, most of you thought that a poultice and a plaster were exactly the same thing, thinking that most people from different areas would just call them either a poultice or a plaster, but both of them would actually have the same meaning. However, that is really not the case. There is a difference, and the difference between a poultice and a plaster is that a poultice is made by adding hot water to either dried, powdered, or fresh, coarsely ground herbs. The hot herb is then placed directly on the affected area, and then it's covered with a gauze or a cloth and taped in place. Now, this can be left on for a few hours, and most often it's preferably left overnight. The poultice can be kept warm with a hot water bottle or a heating pad. Now, poultices have an extremely short shelf life, and they really have to be prepared for each application. A plaster is made by using an oil, such as an almond or olive oil, or or basically an oil of your choice, or a wax, like your beeswax, and then you blend this with the preferred herbs. And again, the herbs can be dried, powdered, or fresh coarsely ground. Now, once they're blended with the oil or the wax, this mixture is spread on a cloth, and then it's applied to the chest or the abdomen region. Now, the cloth is going to be a medium between the mixture and the skin because a plaster is not to be applied directly to the skin. The plaster mixture is spread onto the cloth and rolled tightly for storage purposes and then unrolled and applied to the affected area when needed. Now, depending on the type of plaster made, some of them can last up to six weeks if they're stored properly. Applying herbs to the skin in the form of a plaster or poultice can stop bleeding, it can protect against infections, and it can relieve pain. Now, the skin, of course, being the largest organ on our body, it absorbs some of the chemical properties from the herbs and carries this into the bloodstream. And this is how herbs applied to skin can stimulate internal organs and increase circulation, which can then encourage healing. Now, the use of poultices and plasters have been in practice for thousands of years, with many of them being made from linseed, flour, or mustard. And they were prescribed for many different types of ailments. They were actually viewed as an essential for treating colds, congestion, or any sickness of the lungs. Now, for some nursing patients who were suffering from bronchitis or pneumonia, it was specified that poultices must be applied where the pain is felt. 
which is most likely would be in the back region, but sometimes it can also be required to be put on both the chest as well as the back, but in the lung region. A poultice must be quite hot, but you need to take care that it's not hot enough to burn or blister the patient. Poultices were believed to draw out the infection from the body as well as reduce any inflammation. Now, they were prepared and used for a range of infections that included boils, toothaches, abscesses, bunions, um, chilled lanes, styes, or splinters. And it's interesting to note that at the time that plasters and poultices were prescribed, both doctors and nurses were trained in how to make and apply them. Now, just take a minute to think of how many of today's doctors or nurses was, would even recommend you use a polter or a plaster, let alone know how to make or apply them. This practice has basically gone to the side of the alternative or the holistic medicine, and most of our MDs and our nurses would now, you know, they sort of frown upon this practice. So how do you decide if what illness you have requires you to make a poultice or a plaster? <clears throat> Excuse me. Some of you, um, if, if you're going to look at, at the illness that you have, you have to decide whether it's going to be something that needs to be drawn out, such as, you know, a splinter, an abscess, um, a sty or, or a boil. Then you would make a poultice because, like I said, they actually pull the infection, the splinter or what have you from the body. Now, these are most beneficial for pulling any localized infection from the body. Should you have a cold, a cough, or chest congestion, or any lung infection, um, it can be bronchitis, um, as well as arthritis um, and, and any joint pain, then your plaster is going to be what is going to work extremely well for these issues. So let's have a look at some of the very popular poultices. Now, most, most of them seem to be um, have been made of bread. And any time that I mention the words poultice or plaster, many people will tell about um, a bread poultice that they remember someone making when they were a child. The bread poultice was used in a couple of ways, and one was for drawing out infections, and another one was for removing embedded splinters and for bringing a boil to a head very quickly. These are very easily made and applied, and most often they're very safe to use. The only thing that you must remember is to never use a poultice on an open wound. Now, here are a few easy recipes. <clears throat> if you have a boil and you need to bring it to a head, you want to take three teaspoons of milk in a small pan and warm it over low heat. Once it's warm, you need to remove it from the stove and it needs to be warm enough so it's going to be very comfortable when you place it on the skin. You don't want it to be too hot that it's going to burn someone. Put a slice of bread in a bowl and slowly pour the warm milk over the bread. Let the bread soften for a couple of minutes and then stir this bread and milk mixture to make a paste. Apply the paste to the boil and let it dry completely. You may need to repeat this up to twice a day until the boil ruptures, but usually this is only going to take up to three applications and you're going to notice a huge difference. If you have a deeply embedded splinter that you can't get it removed, 
You need to break up one slice of moldy bread into about bite-sized pieces and place them in a small bowl. Now, do you remember when your grandmothers used to say that mold on the bread was penicillin? Well, this is why moldy bread is used in this recipe, because of the natural penicillin content, which is the mold. You need to fill the bowl with boiling water. Allow the bread to sit for a few minutes until the bread is really mushy. And then pour the mixture in a strainer to drain off any of the excess water that the bread didn't soak up. Scrape the pieces of the bread back into the bowl and stir this until the bread forms a paste. Then you need to cover the splinter with this poultice and allow it to remain on the splinter area as long as possible. You're going to notice how quickly that splinter is going to naturally be drawn out. If you have a localized infection that you want it to be healed, place a small pot of milk on the stove and heat it until it, again, can be comfortably applied to the skin. Remove the, the pot from the heat and place one piece of bread in the milk. The first thing you need to do is wrap the infected area with gauze. Then you're going to remove the bread from the pot. <coughs> Excuse me. And then you're going to place this bread on top of the gauze that you've already put over the infected area. You're going to then wrap the area with another piece of gauze to keep that bread in place and then leave the bread on it until it has completely cooled off. If you need some really quick poultice ideas, here's a few that you might want to look into. Most of us have bentonite clay now because there's many um, beneficial facial masks that people are, are making with bentonite clay at home. So you need to mix the bentonite clay with hot water or tea. You're gonna apply this about a quarter of an inch thick and it's best for infections, boils, or any tumors that you have. Have you ever thought of a cabbage leaf? Well, they're very good as well because you just need to remove the rib of the cabbage leaf and then take your rolling pin and flatten out a few leaves, cover the area that you need to treat, and leave the leaves on. It's gonna remove any poison or, or any pus from the area. It's going to pull that out. This one is going to heat up on its own. So once this poultice starts to get hot, that's when you need to change the leaves. Carrot pulp. For any sores that you have or any very chapped skin, just take the carrot pulp from your juicer and apply it on and let it sit for a few minutes. Figs are another good one. You need to boil them in water for about three minutes and then remove them, cut them open, cut them in half, and then place that over the infected sore to bring the head and pull out any infection. Garlic. Well, we've used garlic many, many times for other treatments, but if you press garlic into a mush and then mix it with a small amount of water and flour to make a paste, this is going to be very good for any sores that has pus or infection, and it's going to dry it out quickly. <clears throat> potato. Peel and grate a raw potato, and this is going to be used to remove any stingers or any small infected areas that has um, pus in it. It's also very good for some styes and some eye infections. Plantain. This is a very easy one. If you are out um, outside and you're, you're going for a walk or whatever and you have a bee sting or you have any small open wound, you're not going to use this on a large wound, but any small wounds or scratches, 
All you have to do is take a piece of the plantain, chew it up, put it on top of the sting or the open wound, or you can also just squish the plantain and bruise the leaves, and then you can apply that as well. Seaweed. Fresh seaweed, you can wrap it around an arthritic joint and it's going to help to relieve the pain. Honey, of course, we all know how beneficial honey is. If you have an opened wound, you just have to take some honey, put it onto the wound, cover it up with gauze and tape, and leave it for a few hours. Honey is just wonderful with its healing properties. So now let's talk about plasters and some recipes for them. Now remember, plasters are mostly used for colds, coughs, and any bronchitis illnesses. Um, anything that's going to, to have issues with the lung region, you, you, a plaster is going to be very beneficial for this. If we can think to the days back to Hippocrates, um, he is, of course, the father of medicine. He was the first person to introduce the mustard plaster. Now, mustard seed as a plant has been used for thousands of years as a treatment for respiratory illnesses, as well as for any joint pains and arthritis. It certainly isn't considered a modern medicine, but the mustard plaster actually works very well for illnesses such as pneumonia, any lung infections, any coughs, colds, bronchitis, and there are some flus that it's going to work very, very well for too. What it does is it creates an irritation to the skin above the area that's being treated. So if you're treating the lung area, the mustard plaster is going to irritate the skin above the lung region. And this is going to attract the blood and increase the circulation to that area. It's going to help break up and clear the congestion, and it's gonna pull out toxins and relieve a cough. It will also stimulate the immune system to begin to fight the infection a little bit more. So with the mustard application being applied to the skin, it's not only effective, but it's very quick, safe, inexpensive, and it's very simple to make. There's only a few items that you're going to need to make your mustard plaster, and it's going to be mustard powder, all-purpose flour, warm water, a tea towel, a bath towel, or a blanket if you'd like to have the whole body covered, you're going to need a face cloth and olive oil, or again, an oil of your preference. Now, in a small mixing bowl, you want to combine four tablespoons of mustard powder along with four tablespoons of all-purpose flour. So this is just your baking flour. You want to add just enough warm water and mix this until it turns into a thin paste or something that's going to be similar to your pancake batter. You want to lay the tea towel flat onto your counter or table, whatever workspace you prefer to use, but make sure that it's out flat. And then you're going to spread this paste onto the tea towel. Now you need to stay away from the edges of the towel because you're going to want to turn in or roll some of the edges inwards. Once you have it spread out on the tea towel, you're going to fold the towel in half and then in half again to completely cover the mustard plaster mix. You want to try and slightly fold over the sides of the towel to ensure that this mixture is not going to seep out. So this is why you need to keep the plaster mix away from the edges of the tea towel. 
Then you're going to apply the olive oil or whatever oil you choose to use. Apply this to the skin in the area where the plaster is going to be applied. This is critical so that you don't burn or blister the skin of the person that you're treating with the plaster. So then having the person that you're treating lay down so you can apply the folded tea towel with the mustard plaster and you're going to put this over the area that's being treated where you have just put the oil. Most often it's the, the chest and lung area. Then you're going to make sure to cover the tea towel and mustard plaster with the bath towel to help keep the heat and warmth within the area. If you want to use the heavier blanket to cover the entire person, this is fine too. Just make sure that the tea towel is covered and that the mustard plaster is not touching the skin. Within minutes of applying this plaster, the skin is going to begin to feel hot and sometimes it can feel a bit tingly or, or picky. And the skin is also going to start to turn red. Now, this is the response that the mustard plaster will have on the skin in order to create the medicinal actions that you're actually looking for. You're going to need to keep a very close eye on this. So you're not going to put it on and then walk away from the person because every one to two minutes, you need to lift the edge of that tea towel to make sure that the skin is not beginning to blister. Again, the purpose of the plaster is to bring heat and to increase the blood circulation. So you are going to get some redness to the surface of the skin. It's just extremely important to make sure that it is not getting too hot so that it's going to burn or blister. Now, this plaster should stay on um, for about 20 minutes. Um, you don't want to go over the 20 minute time. But during this time, make sure that you're talking to the person and asking the person, is it getting too hot? Because it does heat up very quickly. Once the treatment is completed, just remove the tea towel with the mustard plaster and then thoroughly wash the remaining oil off of the area with a wet face cloth. And be sure to remove all of the oil so that it doesn't burn the skin because it's going to stay hot. You can repeat this plaster on the back over the lung region, but only do that if necessary. So if it's really tightly congested, you might want to do both front and back, but check, just check on that. And usually just over the lung area on the chest is going to be sufficient. There are some very important points to remember when using the mustard plaster. And the first one being that this is a very powerful medicinal therapy for lung conditions and it, it truly will work. I've used this recipe many times. However, it can burn and it can blister if it's too strong for the person. So you have to take into consideration that some people do have very sensitive skin. So if this is left on for too long, then you're going to get burns and that's not what you want. You need to make sure that the person that you're treating stays awake during the treatment. And if you're applying this plaster to yourself, which we certainly can do, make sure that someone is with you so that you don't fall asleep with this on your skin. Because it's warm, it is relaxing. And if you're tired or if you've been up through the night coughing and with colds like many of us are when we have a cold, then you're tired in the daytime. So the warmth is going to make you feel much more relaxed and it's so easy to doze off. You don't want to do that. 
If you're concerned that this recipe might be too strong, you can adjust the ratio from four tablespoons of mustard powder and the four tablespoons of flour and just put two tablespoons of mustard flour and keep the four tablespoons of the all-purpose flour. Now, this is going to allow you to see how it feels on the skin and what the effects of it will be. And then, if you feel that's not strong enough, then you can work your way up to the four tablespoons of the mustard flour. Sorry, the mustard powder. Should you want to use this on children? you need to be very sure that you have another double layer of cloth between the tea towel and the plaster and the child's skin to prevent any burns or blisters. And I would certainly go with a lesser ratio of the mustard to flour. Again, you need to be sure to check this every one to two minutes, if not sooner, because a child's skin is just so much more sensitive than that of the adult's. It is normal that the skin will remain red for a few hours following the treatment. And if you want best results from this, use it at least once a day for three consecutive days. And it's preferably um, done at nighttime before bed and then follow it by a hot bath and some relaxation and you'll see how much better you feel. Although the mustard plaster is actually the most common plaster, and it is very much worth the effort to make it and apply because it does break up the congestion and help to shorten the cold, the, the life of the cold. There are people who find that using the mustard plaster causes too much discomfort no matter how weak it is. So luckily enough, there are a few other beneficial plasters that you can use. And here's just a few. Ginger, we all know the benefits of ginger. It's an anti-inflammatory, it's very health promoting, Many, many of the benefits of ginger are well known and it can treat a wide range of diseases. And as a result of its anti-inflammatory effect, ginger can also reduce muscle pains even after you've had any intense physical activity. So you can make a plaster using ginger. Um, the, the ginger plaster for a cough is extremely effective to break up and reduce congestion. It's hot in potency and it penetrates the skin very easily. So remember when making a plaster, you need to use the cloth between the skin and the mixture. Using ginger directly on the skin will be very irritating, basically the same as the mustard plaster. Here's how to make a ginger plaster. You're gonna need to puree about half a cup of fresh ginger and put it in a strainer um, lined with cheesecloth to let it drain. Then you're gonna spread the paste on an old towel or cloth about nine, 12 inches square, whatever size you'd like to have it. Place the towel with the paste cloth side down on the skin um, as you're laying down and then you need to cover that with another towel that is damp and warm. Leave this on for about 15 to 20 minutes and then rinse it off with a warm cloth or have a nice warm shower. Repeat if necessary, and if you experience any discomfort from this plaster, you can use another old towel on the skin underneath of the tea towel with the paste. You have to have the vapors of this to actually penetrate your skin to benefit from this herb. If your skin seems very irritated or red, now some redness is normal and it's going to fade after a few hours, but if you feel it's too irritated, then you can apply the paste on your feet. 
Make sure that your feet have been washed and, and they're clean and you're going to do the same as the above. You're going to put the paste on the tea towel and then wrap up your feet for about 20 minutes or so. Rinse them off or shower as usual. The ginger will actually be absorbed by the soles of your feet and it's going to then travel through your system, giving you relatively the same relief without having to apply this to your chest. You could also make a very thin paste of oatmeal and you can apply that to the skin after the ginger plaster if it was too strong for you. And of course, oats are very well known to be very soothing and that can help if it was too strong. How about mint? Now, like the ginger plaster for a cough, you can also use mint leaves um, and you can use them basically in the same way for congestion, cough, and this can also help to reduce fevers. You can either make a strong mint tea or you can puree the leaves and apply them exactly the same as you did with the ginger. Mint plasters are very cooling and they can help to bring down a fever. So if you have access to fresh mint, then give this a try. You have to know when to treat at home. Um, chest congestion, coughs, colds, and flus, they don't always need to be treated with a prescription medication. So many times, I think that many of us, and I'm going to include myself in this, you know, we get, some, we get a, a cold or a flu and it lasts just a bit too long and we think, well, maybe I need to go to see the doctor. There's so many ways that you can treat this at home because most of these things can't even be treated with antibiotics. However, having said that, if you do have severe congestion or if you have a high fever or other symptoms that, that are not normal to be going with a cold or the flu, then make sure you do consult your doctor. It's wonderful if you can treat these illnesses at home, but we have to remember there are those times when the doctor is needed. So we really have to let common sense be our guide. One good thing about being able to treat by making a poultice or a plaster is that most of the ingredients that you need are already in your kitchen or in your bathroom and they're so much less expensive than many of the pharmaceutical drugs. Now, as the 20th century brought about many medical advances and the commercial availability of less homemade options, even the previously approved poultices and plaster treatments fell out of favor with all of the med med uh, medical professionals. Sorry, This gradual loss of appeal um, to the public with the poultices and plasters, it, it could have been um, spurred on by a lot of the promotional campaigns in the late 1920s by the new Vicks VapoRub company. And I'm sure that many, many of us remember when we were younger and Vicks VapoRub had just come out or or that's what our mums always wanted to use. They'd, all, they'd apply that right directly on the skin and then they'd put a warm flannel on top of it. It did feel good. It smells good. I enjoyed the Vicks. Um, and Vicks promoted themselves as the modern alternative to the old-fashioned poultice. Um, like I said, I'm sure many of us remember that. However, instead of using the Vicks now, because I'm sure it's changed throughout the years like everything else has, 
it might be good for you to go back and give the poultices and the plasters another try. I'm sure that you would be quite impressed with how they work and if many of us have used it in years gone by we've probably stopped using it and forgotten how well they actually work. So the next time you or someone that you care about gets a cold, a cough, some bronchitis or even a flu, think about this and and see what you can do with plasters and poultices and, and see how much better they're going to feel. I'll hope that many of you will give some of these a try. Why not? We have most of the stuff in our cupboard, so here we go. Give it a try next time. I'll be back again next week, and until then, I wish everyone to stay well and stay safe. Visit Doreen's website at dmurphydoucette.com and click the radio tab to purchase your supplement and dosha questionnaire. It will allow you to know your body dosha and what supplements, vitamins, and minerals your body requires at any given time. You'll receive a report by email that gives you all of the required information. You'll learn which foods give you your required supplements, and you have the option to purchase your report in printed book form and have it mailed directly to you. Visit dmurphydoucette.com today. Thank you for joining us for your daily dose. Be sure to tune in again next week on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition with your host, Doreen Doucette. We'll see you then.